My name is Chris, and I am the creative director here at Highlight Church. And uh, if we haven't met yet, hi, it's great to meet you. If we have met yet, but you don't recognize me, it's probably because I'm not wearing a hat. My wife strongly encouraged, uh, refused, to let me wear a hat today. And so my name's Chris. I don't have any hair. We'll just get out of the way. I lost all of it a long time ago, so we'll just get that out of the way. But I have the privilege and the honor uh, to be married to my lovely wife, Megan Congiorgiana. She's the... She's the small Spanish woman who runs around. I, I like to call her omnipresent like our God because she's everywhere all at the same time. And uh, we have two beautiful kids. We have a photo to show you. Uh, our little girl, Celine and Cohen. Celine is three. Cohen is about to be one. And uh, it, it's cool. It's, it's amazing to, to raise them. And it, it's funny because God says when he gives you a child that it's a blessing. But I've found that the blessing is more on what he's creating me to be by raising them. So I've become a better man, a better father, a better leader. And uh, we'll, we'll be diving more into them in, in a little bit. But aren't they cute? Look at Cohen. <laughs> He's super, super cute. And uh, it's been an honor and a privilege just to serve here at Highlight Church for so many years. And so today, though, I have the opportunity to share with you out of Philippians 2. Uh, we've, we've kind of gone through and unpacked the first chapter of Philippians within the first two messages. Pastor Josh's message was extremely powerful. Pastor Chow's last week was powerful. And you'll notice that there's some similarities in what I'm going to be speaking on today. And I think that's because Paul is trying to get the church to understand something that that's really going to help us kind of lift the lid off of our understanding today. And uh, that's going to be out of Philippians 2. And so church, if you're ready, let's go ahead and turn to it. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. We're going to dive right on in. And uh, it says here, it says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate that make me truly happy by wholeheartedly uh, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Uh, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up that divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, and even under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so let's just take a moment real quick. Let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate that word. I think it's great to get in the habit of celebrating what God has written in the Bible for us because I think it's, it's something that's going to allow us to grow. And uh, there's a lot hidden in that kind of packet of scripture. And we're, I'm going to do my best to unpack it for you guys today. Um, but we're going to kind of break it down into three different categories to help it make it more palatable. But we'll start here. I want to entitle today's message, Reflecting Christ. Reflecting Christ. Paul hit on a lot uh, within this kind of stanza of verses about taking on the the attitude of Christ. And how many of us know, show of hands here, we hope that when we interact with other people, that they see Christ in us. That they don't just see Kevin, but they see Kevin 
and Christ, right? They don't just see Andrea. They see Andrea and Jesus, right? Amber and Jesus, Trevor and Jesus, Brandon and Jesus, myself and Jesus. Our goal as Christ followers is to show others what he looks like through us. He's not going to come down and say, hey, nice to meet you. My name's Jesus, and uh, I want you to follow me today. No, he's going to use us. And to do that, though, we have to focus on three different things that helps us live that out and show Jesus to others. Number one here is our emotions, how we think, how we feel, uh, kind of how we, how we control our heart. And some of us have better control of our emotions than others, and spouses don't mm-hmm to that. Uh, I don't want to ruffle any feathers just yet. Uh, but some of us are better at controlling our emotions than others. Another one is our position, where we are overall. Uh, are, we, are we high? Are we low? Are, are, what are we doing? What's our heart posture? Our position matters, right? And then number three, our directions. Where should we put our focus in? What, what do we care about? Where are we going? What are we called to do? And I think... All of those three things is going to help us reflect Christ in a new way. And so we're going to dive right into that first category, emotion, with this point. I must look in before I look out. I must look in before I look out. And it's easy to see here that God is wanting us to focus on our heart because here in Philippians 2, 1b through 2, it kicks it off right there. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy. In other translations, Paul says, complete my joy. Complete my joy. Joy is not a feeling. It's a, right? It's good. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And so we're seeing here the emphasis on controlling our heart and how we treat other people around us. And it brings me to this thought of my daughter. You guys saw her a little bit ago. Her name is Celine. She's three. And just show of hands here, who here has kids? And who has kids over the age of two? Uh, we all know and have heard about the terrible twos. And I don't like that word terrible because it, it signifies that it's a negative thing. It, it's not. It's, it's just part of growth. So I'm going to call it the tumultuous twos. I love the word tumultuous because it signifies highs and lows and it's neither good or bad. It's all, all in between. And so she was in her tumultuous twos. And uh, man, it was, it was like... Wow, pray for me. Um, but probably about three or four months ago, because she's now kind of getting out of that phase, but this was at the onset of it, and we were just playing with blocks. My daughter is great at playing by herself. You can give anything to her. She'll play on her own. She's fine. Uh, my my uh, son, her brother, loves to play with her. She doesn't quite like that too much. She wants to play by herself. Don't mess up my toys, Cohen. That's what she says all the time. And uh, so my wife and I, we were playing blocks with her. And she loves to tower things up super, super high and then knocks them down. It's quite destructive. I don't know who she gets it from, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that later. But she loves building them up, and we were building them up with her. And all of a sudden, she looks over at us and goes, no, 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 no. Stop. And we're like, what? And she's like, don't do it like that. And we're like, okay, how do you want us to build the blocks? Nothing. No, 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 stop. What? what, what can, you, can you explain to me what you want us to do? Couldn't figure it out. And so my wife and I are like, we're just going to 
take a step back, we'll defuse the situation because obviously we see she's going through some emotions and she doesn't know how to describe them. A lot of us find ourselves there sometimes, even to this day. And so then, you know, later on, she's getting changed. And my daughter is one who hates being changed. My son is, like, indifferent. He's like, oh, I guess we have to do this. My, daughter, my daughter's like, I know, leave me alone, please. I'm, I'm good with what I have. But she was in a poopy diaper. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to leave her in a poopy diaper. My wife won't either. And so we pick her up against her will, and we put her on the changing table. And she's crying, all normal. We're, we are oblivious to it. But then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my ear, I hear, Celine, don't kick me. And I'm just like, because I'm the disciplinary, so I'm like, time to go. Let's go. And uh, I don't know if you're the disciplinary in your relationship, but I am in a, in a loving way. And I go in there, and I'm like, come on, honey. We can't kick mommy. That's not okay. She's still crying. She's still being a little bit aggressive. So now it's time out time, my favorite time. <laughs> so we put, her, we put her in the crib, and I explain to her why she's going into time out. Uh, the best of her two-year-old brain can understand. And uh, she's crying, obviously. We close the door. She's still crying. And I remember just pausing and thinking, I am so frustrated. Why doesn't she get it? Why doesn't she that her mom's trying to help her? Why that we're trying to help her? That we're trying to care for her, we're trying to love for her, we want to play with her, and she's not getting it. And I began to think it's not so much that she's broken, it's that I'm broken. And what I mean by that is she's two. She's learning how to control her emotions. Why can't I as the adult control mine? And I think a lot of us, we find ourselves in this similar situation where things around us are going chaotic, yeah. and we, we allow that to mess us up. And so later on that, that night, I remember just feeling overwhelmed with love as I'm putting her to sleep, uh, because I'm looking at her, I'm like, you're not my little girl anymore. And granted, she's two, so she's still my little girl. But what I mean by that is, she's not my nine-month-old. She's not my one-year-old. She's stepping into new territory, learning how to control her emotions. She's not going to be three for long. She's not going to be four forever, five, six, seven. She's going to grow up. And I have the obligation as a parent to do everything that I can to control my emotions, to give her the environment to learn how to control hers. And I think a lot of times, though, we, we find ourselves in a similar situation, yet we're the child to Jesus, yeah. where we're making a mess, and Jesus doesn't get frustrated with us. In fact, he shows us love and compassion. But why is that? You can clap that up. But, but why is that? Why, why is he able to control it, and we have such a hard time doing so? Well, I think Paul references it beautifully in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, if you guys want to turn there. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clingy cymbal. Uh, Francie does a great job playing those drums, but imagine if all you heard was it would be annoying. It would have no purpose. That's what Paul is referencing here. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and I possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, hmm. if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others... I would be nothing, and I would have gained nothing. And I think that's what Paul is trying to illustrate us here, is love is how we can begin to control our emotions. If we're feeling out of order, or out of sync, or we're losing control, slap some love on it. I love how David illustrates this in Psalms 52, uh, 51 verse 10. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, a steadfast spirit. 
receiving even David, who, man, he went through a lot of different things. He's seeing the need to control the heart. I have to control my emotions. I can't control this, but I can control this. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for you. And we're broken. But why? Because love overshadows it. And I want to preface this. It's not that God doesn't get mad. Because God gets mad. We see a lot of that in the Old Testament. It's that his heart was always centered on love. And that overshadowed everything. And so here's the key fact here. God's heart is set on love. And his desire is for ours to be too. God's heart is set on love. And his desire is for us to be too. And so ask yourself practically. Am I currently doing this with those around me? If someone messes up at work, am I getting frustrated and angry? Or am I con- uh, confronting them with love and compassion? If someone, God forbid, hits my car, am I getting out ready to ring them? Or am I getting out saying, it's okay, I understand mistakes happen. Now let me see that insurance card. <laughs> right? And here, let, just a quick pause though. If you have a highlight sticker on the back of your card, please. Please show them with love and compassion. Pray with them even, but make sure you get that insurance card. Because they're, they're going to pay. But, but really, really though, let's, let's water it down even more. Let's get more practical. Maybe it's smiling more. Are we smiling enough? Maybe instead of connecting with people after this experience, we pull them to the side and we pray for them. Or how about this one? This is my favorite one. If you do just want to connect because prayer is a little bit awkward, why don't we get more intentional with our conversations. Hey, I know you had a great week, but what are you struggling with in this season? What can I help you with? We're meant to do this together. And hey, even if they frustrated you in the past, hey, look, I know we didn't get off on the best foot last time, but I love you. What can I help you with in this season? We're in this together. It makes a world of a difference. All right? And then number two, continuing on in our three-step, we got our emotions done. So now let's focus on our position. Here's the point here. To go high, I have to go low. To go high, I have to go low. And we read this in Philippians 2, uh, 3 through 8, and we're going to bring it back up here. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourselves as better than, or thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So here we go. Though he was God, he did not think of equality of, uh, with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Here's my favorite word. And he took the humble position of a slave. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And so I want to break this down for you. Humility in in biblical standards, a good biblical definition for you is believing what God says about you over everyone else, including yourself. Let that, believing what God says about you over everyone else, including yourself. How How much more do we know that God's opinion of us is far greater than the opinion of others, especially the opinion of our own. And that's what true humility is, is leaning into what he thinks about you, not what others or yourself thinks about you. And, and it's true here with Christ too, because Christ wasn't focused on the recognition of others. He was focused on pleasing the Father. He could care less what others had to say about him. He only cared what he did brought glory to his father. And that's what our focus should be on too. And so practically, how can we live that out? Well, there's three steps here. Well, really two that equals to an equation. And the first one is to pray. 
to pray. We need to be praying more. I love how it illustrates here in Luke 5, 16, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer before the morning started. What does that mean? Every day he would start in his word and in his prayer. He would get on his what? His knees. He'd get low. God, I need you. God, I can't do this. It's okay to admit that you can't do it alone. Jesus did it. So should we. Here's another thing. Admitting that we can't do it on our own is actually essential for our growth process. If we went through life never admitting that we didn't know something, (laughs) we would never learn. Jesus did it. So so should we. Seek. Number two is seek. You should be seeking. But what should you be seeking? You should be seeking wise counsel. It's important for you to be seeking out wise counsel. 1 Peter 5.5 says, place yourself under the authority of your spiritual leaders. Place yourself under the authority of spiritual leaders. Your spiritual leaders are here not to reign over you, but to help you. And I found myself not uh, utilizing this in the past before. And I always found myself in two situations. I either, A, was finding myself in a problem and I would not ask my leaders what they thought about it. And I would just go through it on my own. Or B, I would ask my leaders what they were going through. And I just wouldn't listen to them. I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to do me. And you know what the result was? It was worse off than if I just listened to them. Because here's the thing. Your spiritual leaders have been put in, in authority over you, not to reign over you again, but because they've made mistakes that you don't have to make. All you got to do is ask them. All you have to do is ask them. You need to ask yourself, what can they teach me that will get me through this problem quicker? I don't want to make matters worse, so let me go to my spiritual leaders. And then lastly, when you pray and you seek, you're going to find what you're looking for. Psalm 25, 9 says, he leads those who are humble, key word, leads those who are humble and teaches them his way. This is what God is saying. When you're humble, I'm going to teach you my way. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace to those who are humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What does that mean? When we take the godly order, being humble, submitting ourselves under, not only are we going to be taught his way of doing things, but when we make a mistake, more grace is added. It's no longer a, why did you do that? It's a, it's okay. We're going to do this. We're going to get through it together. There's more grace added to it. The mistake is less harsh because we honored God's order. And how many of us have found ourselves in a situation where we just wish we could have had some help? And if we could have gone back, we would have asked for that help. Let's start doing that now. Let's take the godly order. Let's humble ourselves and ask our leaders for help. Great example is this. If you're struggling with a health issue, who do you go to? The doctor. Can you heal yourself on your own? No, you you seek help. If you're struggling with a financial issue and you're low on money, we have Financial Peace University here. That'll help you. But you also go to your financial advisor. You seek out help. So if we do it with our worldly problems, why are we not doing it with our spiritual problems? Seek out your spiritual leaders. And so here's the key thought here. When we get in the right position, we can find what we're looking for. And that's access to the Father. And so ask yourself, what situation am I facing That my position is holding me back from? What situation am I facing that my position is holding me back from? Look, maybe it's a promotion at your job. Well, start here. Get low. Don't try to be better than those around you. Serve faithfully. Be kind. Be generous. And see how God moves in that area. Maybe it's I want to grow in my leadership. Well, here at Highlight, we make it very simple. Uh, Serve others. (laughs) Uh, Pick up the trash in the lobby and in the parking lot. And this one's for our pastor, if you're watching online. Tuck the trash bag in the lid of the trash can. 
Do the things that others won't do. Because guess what? Not only does God see it, but it makes you stand out. It makes you stand out. And maybe you need a breakthrough in an area. Maybe you are struggling with a health issue. Maybe you're struggling with your finances. What I'd encourage you is to get low. Seek out the help that you need so you can get through the process faster. Your spiritual leaders are there for you. You're not in it alone. All right? And then last point here. What I reflect is what I get. What I reflect is what I get. And I missed this at the beginning of my message, but uh, reflect in the Greek, because I'm Greek if you didn't know, so I can def- uh, define this. It's katrizio, and it means to uh, present a clear and perfect image of something or someone. Reflect a clear and perfect image of something or someone. That's katrizio, that's reflect. And what I mean by that is, is when we reflect Christ, we get Christ things. This whole message is about how we can look more like Christ to others. What we reflect is what I get. And so quick recap here. We learned how to control our emotions. We learned to uh, control our position, get ourselves in the right spot. But now I think what God is trying to lead us to is what are we focusing on? What direction are we going in? And I think John 21, 15 through 17 illustrates this perfectly in the NIV. Uh, but to give you a little backstory before we start, uh, we see Peter. <laughs> uh, Peter and the disciples went back to fishing. They went back to what they wanted to do because at this point, Christ had died. Uh, he, wrote, he resurrected and only few people have seen him so far. And they're out in their fishing boat doing what they know they can do to bring them money and yeah. to take care of their needs. And all of a sudden they hear a loud voice from the shoreline. This is a, a direct resemblance to what happened to them when Jesus first called them. And... <laughs> Toss it to the other side. So what is he telling them to do? Get in the right position, and I'm giving you a direction. Toss it to the other side. Listen to me. So he tosses it over. They grab so much fish that Peter doesn't even want to reel it in. He leaves the boat. He walks on water for the second time. I'm just kidding. He swam. But he ran, he, he ran out that boat so fast he might as well could have. Went all the way to the shore and runs up to Jesus excited. You, you didn't abandon us. You're here with us. And we're flash forwarding here to John 21, 15 through 17. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Homie just left the boat and ran across water. I mean, he swam, but for my illustration, he ran. Of course he loves him. Don't you think? Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now, you're going to notice here there's a difference between lamb and sheep, and we can't break that down. Break it down later. But what is he telling him to do? Do you love me? Where are your emotions? I need you to get in position. Now I'm giving you direction. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. At this point, I'd be a little annoyed. Like, come on, bro. We just... Jesus said, take care of my sheep. So we see the difference between... Feed and care. That's good. Yeah. Well-rounded here. Yep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now you can visibly see how frustrated he was. He said, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Come on. Yeah. Feed my sheep. <laughs> He's being specific. He's showing Peter where his heart lies. And, and the key point here is Peter just came out of an interesting season. He was called Satan by Christ. (laughs) Thank God we didn't have to go through that. He denied Christ three times. Let's not repeat that. It's safe to say that that season of his life was filled with ups and downs. 
And what we find Peter doing is going back to what he cares about. That's why Jesus is repeating it so much. I see that you're fishing for you, Peter. What I'm calling you to do is care about what I care about, and that's people. I love that. I'm calling you to care about people. I need you to reflect what I've taught you. Care for people. And so let's kind of break this down a little bit more. Uh, God was calling Peter out of a situation where all he cared about was self. And he was telling him, I need you to start focusing on others. And the key point here is our mindset is about self. But Christ's mindset is about everybody else. Our mindset is about self. Christ's mindset is about everybody else. And we sometimes need that reset, that reminder. It's not all about me. It can be about others too. And guess what? This is the the blessing part of it. When we focus on other people, God pours into us. We see this illustrated in John 13, 13 through 15. It says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. This is Jesus to the disciples. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's. (laughs) I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. Get your emotions in line. Get in the right position. And then flash forward to verse 17. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Here's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God will give generously and he'll provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. What is he saying? I'm not just going to give you what you need because you've been giving to others. I'm going to give you more than what you need so you can keep giving to others. Right? He's calling us to love his people. And in that pursuit of loving his people, we're going to receive what we need and more of it. And here's the key here. It's not about removing all of those things that's wrong with us, our emotions, getting in position before we serve. See, here's the reflection piece. We've got to reflect it back. In fact, what God is calling us to do is just care about what I care about. Get in the right direction, and I'll take care of the position. I'll take care of your emotions. You don't have to worry about that. I just need you to worry about what I worry about. And you'll get what you need. And so a lot of us, we find ourselves in this situation where we're, we're lacking in some area. How can I care about others before I have what I need? And, but here's the key here. When we serve others, it said here in this text, when we reflect Jesus, we're going to get that healing, that restoration, that provision that we need. Because we're obeying and following suit with what he cares about. And that's loving on people. It reminds me of a situation that I was in. Uh, before I was put on staff here at Highlight. and uh, I had many jobs before that. I was a pharmacy trainer, but before that I was a pharmacy tech. Even before that, I was a professional dancer, if you didn't know. I was, I'm not lying. And I like to talk about it as much as I can because there's no way I'm ever going to be able to do it again. Um, not with this hair uh, or lack thereof. I'm just kidding. Another bald joke. They're easy. Um, but I remember I had, I had found the, the job at the pharmacy and... When I tell you I wanted nothing to do with medicine, I wanted nothing to do with medicine. But it was a great opportunity. It was a means by which, and I was in between jobs. And I remember I got in in the position in Florida, and it was a blessing because I was able to transfer up to Maryland when we decided to launch Highlight, and uh, it carried over. So while everyone else was moving without a job, I had one secured. And um, so I started working, and my manager was fantastic. She was amazing. Uh, The best manager I could have probably asked for um, and you started to see that her health started to decline. 
And uh, unfortunately, she, she got cancer. And luckily, she was able to overcome it, but she had to retire. Working at the pharmacy was just too much. And so a new manager comes in. And how many of us know when new management comes? And new rules. They wanted to install all these new people. And I liked the new manager. I thought she was cool, but I don't, I don't want to say that that feeling was mutual. And as time goes on, I started to notice that every problem was pinned on me whether I had an involvement in it or not. Until at some point it hit to a boiling point where she just started yelling at me for a problem I had no ability to involve or be involved in. It was all on her. And in fact, it was swung to the way where I was distracting her. That's why the mistake occurred. And I'm just thinking to myself, how did this get so out of control? How did I lose grasp of this situation? And so she's now in a, sh- a shouting match and I'm just sitting there taking it and she's yelling, like yelling. To the point where I felt so uncomfortable, I had to call the front store manager and said, hey, your lady is tripping and I don't feel comfortable at all. I'm going to call HR. And he goes, no, 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 let me get back there. So he tries to calm her down. She's not calming down. So he looks at me and says, it's okay. You can go home. I'll take care of it. Call HR. So I called HR and they assured me, your job's fine. Don't worry about it. You're good to go. I said, okay, awesome. But what they didn't tell me was that they had no control on how she gave me my hours. So what I saw was 30 hours became 20 hours, became 10 hours, became five hours, until ultimately they became none. And I know a lot of us, we, we can find ourselves in a position where all of a sudden our job is gone and we don't know why. And the problem with me in this situation, again, me, you hear me, me, was my wife was three months before her due date for our first daughter, Celine. We just found out that we had to move out of the townhouse we were in and we had 30 days to find another place. And here I am now without a job. She's the only person who's still bringing in an income. What am I supposed to do? So I remember I got into this depressive state. Me, me, me. How could I let this happen? What have I found myself in? I can't, I, I can't believe this. And guess what I didn't do? I didn't go to my leaders. I didn't tell them what I was going through. No, 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 no. I could do it on my own. I could handle this, remember? I got it. And then I started showing up and I didn't care for people. I was going through the motions. And if you're on our creative team at that point, you can probably remember this season. It was hard for me. I didn't love on people. I didn't check in with others. It was difficult. And then one day I remember I looked in the mirror and I just looked at myself and I said, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? And all of a sudden I started feeling this this emotion start to change because what I started to realize was I can't control what's happening out here. But God, I can control this. I can control me. And then all of a sudden, my position started to change. I reached out to my pastors, and I scheduled a meeting. Well, they scheduled a meeting with me, and I apologized. I said, hey, I, I, I didn't tell you a thing. That's on me. And I had to deal with the situation that was messy because I neglected it for so long. We began working on it. They extended grace. They helped me through it, and now everything is stronger and better than ever. But then something important happened. I started caring for people again. I began to go to church and say, you know what, God? I, I, I love what you love, and that's people. This is my purpose, is to love on others. And it doesn't matter what I'm going through. What matters is as long as I love them, you're going to take care of me. And I started believing that. And once, once I turned that tide, things started changing. All of a sudden, I began to realize, wow, things are back on the up. I feel better. Things around me are getting better. And then randomly, I got a call from our district trainer. And she's like, hey, because of how you handled this situation, 
I want to offer you a new position. We have a trainer position opening up, and I'd like you to take it. And so I took it. I said, heck yeah, I'd love it. Better hours, more pay. And the best part was I, I had a flexible schedule. I was able to make my own schedule and make more time for what God cares about, people. Right? We can clap that up. And so what I want to encourage you today is, what is your position holding you back from? What situation are you facing that your position is holding you back from? That's so important. Jesus wants to work in you. And so to allow this message to flip on its head, Jesus is saying, I got the other stuff. Focus on my people and I'll take care of your position. I'll take care of your emotions. Just please focus on my people. God wants you to focus on what he cares about because he loves you.